I'm Ben Carter, your life transformation coach, and I've been sent, called, and commissioned to help you live your very best life. Join me on Ben the Life Coach Radio Show. I can't wait to support your leap into victory. Hey, 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 what's up? What's up? Welcome back. Welcome back to a brand new show. Happy New Year. Happy 2018. I hope that you guys have planned to live a bigger, better, fresher, deafer, greater life this year. This is Ben Carter, your favorite life transformation coach. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm so humbled that you find the time to tune into my brand of positivity. I think we all should be out there doing something to facilitate and fortify and fulfill and uplift positivity in some area, in some system, and make sure that you're infiltrating it in a way that allows us to overtake the masses with love and positivity and greatness and awareness and clarity. That's how you combat a lot of this ish that we're dealing with, right? So thank you for tuning in. This particular show is one that has been in the making uh, for a while. I came up with an acronym for what I call Gaby. <laughs> it sounds like baby for a reason. Gaby is grown adult boys breaking into their emotions. Now, for those of you who don't know, I'm a life coach, um, but a lot of what I do, especially in my service work, my volunteerism, is I mentor and teach professional development Um, I worked with an organization for about two years where we delivered all kinds of professional development workshops and boot camps at Rutgers University and NJIT and, um, and, and NSA, Newark Street Academy. And what I was doing while I was delivering was collecting information. Everything is really all about data for me. And I focused on particularly young men and how young men express themselves in any setting. This is high school or college or uh, alternative education. And I focused on how the young men were uh, and were not expressing themselves. And what I found in that work was that there was a deficit in the way that we communicate as men and as young men and as boys in this society. For about three years, I was an instructor and a mentor for a program where we ran what's called an Arate session. We met twice a month for about three hours uh, each session. And I worked with a set of boys probably for uh, three and a half school years. And in working with them, what I found the greatest deficit was, was communication. Everything led back to how they communicated and expressed themselves from an emotional level. And I realized that we live in a society that allows men to grow in stature. We allow men to grow in things and professionalism. We allow men to grow in finances. But we don't necessarily allow 
young boys to grow in to healthy manhood emotions. I'm finding that we're taking the way that we communicated uh, as adolescents into our teen years, into our young adulthood, into our manhood, into um, our our senior years, into our glory days, and not necessarily fully expressing the completeness of who we are and the wholeness of who we are as men. Because I don't think that we've been given permission to or the opportunity to. So this show is absolutely about that. Um, And don't turn it off. If that scares you, if it makes you uncomfortable, that's where I want you to stay. Stay in the fear of someone calling you out around your emotions. Stay in the discomfort and how uncomfortable it feels uh, discussing your emotions. And I'm not talking about emotions from the perspective of uh, you don't know how to handle anything, so you cry. I'm talking about the balance of your emotionality. When is it the perfect time for me to express my anger in a healthy way? When is it a perfect time for me to express my disappointment, for me to express my joy, for me as a man to express my sexuality so that it doesn't become a me too issue for the people that I'm in association with? We're all out of balance and out of loop and off kilter when it comes to that because who we are as men is defined by who we want to be through our penis and through our genitalia. And we see that showing up. We might want to deny it. And that's another thing that we do a great job as uh, a society in this country. Um, We deny very well. We cover up very well. We create alternative facts very well. And they don't serve us. They strip us of our humanity. They strip us of our integrity. They strip us of any kind of dignity uh, that we're not believable. And we're insatiable, um, inhumane, wild heathens is what we are showing up as. And I'm not even name calling. It's just what we're manifesting ourselves to be based on how we've groomed and groaned and reared and raised one another, right? So that's what we're going to be talking about on this show. Moms, I invite you to bring in your husbands. Um, I invite you to bring in your sons. Husbands, I invite you to bring in your wives and your husbands or your boyfriends, your uncles, your, your nephews, your best friends. I invite us to sit down and have this conversation, fellas, um, around masculinity, around um, the emasculation of homosexual men and their masculinity, the internal rift inside of the LGBTQ community with masculinity and butch queens and butch and uh, homo thugs and I invite us to have the conversation around how we are showing up in our manhood and how we define our manhood. What I give you permission to do by the end of this show is completely eradicate some of the bullish that society has taught us and to redesign, rewrite what your manhood 
um, is going to look like for you, for your family, for the community that you serve in a way that serves and supports your family and your community and those people that are closest to you and in a way that it serves you. Uh, one of the things that I, I want to talk about, because I got a lot of things to talk about. I've got a lot of information that I've researched, so if I'm all over the place, I apologize ahead of time. <laughs> but one of the things that I wanted to highlight right up front um, is the the heart attack rate. So I pulled this up a few days ago. Heart disease facts in men. I think this is from a few years ago. Heart disease is the leading cause of death for men in the United States. And I think in 200, um, no, it's more than 200,000, over 320,000 men in 2014 uh, died of heart attacks. We want to look at that from a from a emotional perspective. Why are men's hearts blowing up? I think our hearts are blowing up because we're not able to express what's on our hearts. It, it, there is a absolute connection to our emotionality, our physicality, and our immunity and how we handle things. I don't know if we give our little boys permission to come home and say, I'm so ticked off. I'm so angry. You know, I went to school today. I don't feel like I was heard. I don't feel like the teacher understood what I was trying to say. I think the teacher just misconstrued everything that I said and made me out to be um, a bully or they keep lumping me in the crowd or the group of ADD or ADHD. There is no diagnosis when it comes to the expression of my emotions. I'm just ticked off, mom. I had a really bad day. You know, I'm, I'm annoyed that I had to go to school looking like, feeling like, you know, I'm annoyed that I woke up this morning and I was still very tired and I had to get up and go. Are we allowing our, our little boys, our young boys, the opportunity to express what they're actually feeling? And teaching them that it's okay to express what you feel and express it in a way that's healthy. And being able to load balance anger and frustration so that when we express it, we express it, we get it out, we dump it out, we release it, and we move on. So that it doesn't become something that we hold on to uh, in our hearts and keep in our heart space and we grow up with it and... our hearts blow up, i.e. turning into heart attacks or um, we hold it in, we intellectualize everything and it becomes a stroke um, or it turns into labor and it becomes back issues. We've got to make sure we understand um, what we don't understand so that men, young boys, young adults can be understood. So that's where we are today. I want to talk about um, gender roles. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And I want to talk about male versus man. Um, I think we get that confused a lot, just like we get father and daddy confused. Um, We get some of those things confused. Male is wholly based on gender, right? You have a penis. You are, in fact, a male, biologically a male. 
but having a penis and being able to reproduce does not necessarily make you a man. Okay, ladies, calm down. Calm all the way down, right? This is not a male bashing session. This is a come together and support the brothers, support the fellas, support your son session. So when I say that, I don't want all the single mothers out there, all the women who have children and can't get their children's fathers to support them that's not necessarily what this is about <laughs> but you have these 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 men um these men child or man child um where they create and they reproduce just like any other male uh is able to but that doesn't necessarily make them a man right there are things that allow us to show up in our humanity and in our manhood. One of the questions that I always get from single women with sons is, how do I raise a man? I can't raise a man to be a man. I can't raise a boy to be a man. And if you keep looking at it through that lens, you're absolutely right. You'll cripple, stifle yourself. But what you can do is coach, teach, support, rear and raise him in the ways of being an excellent human being and direct guide him on a path of of manhood. So before we take our first break, if you are listening to this show, I want you to do the same thing while we're on break. I asked my son, my son, and I asked him to ask his cousin, to create a list, just a quick list of 10 things, 10 attributes, 10 values that you think are in association to manhood. And I want you to do the same thing. Ask your son to do it. Moms, I want you to do it. Um, Dads, I want you to do it. Partners, I want you to do it. What do you think beyond the male reproductive organ (laughs) What do you think the attributes of manhood are? Now, before we go to break, the first thing that um, they said, this is from the first list. First thing was respect. Second thing was generosity. Third was responsibility. That's my favorite. Four was compatible. Five was trustworthy. Six was handy. Seven was wise. Eight, this is a big one, loyal. Nine, faithful. Ten, knowledgeable, up to date, current. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Looking at this list, what I see and what's resonating with me from this list, trustworthy, loyal, faithful. So this is some of the attributes from a teenage boys that they consider the highest values for what a man should show up as uh, or should be. The second list, and I want you to create your list. Don't cheat and copy this list. This one is in my phone. The second list, give me one second. Come on, second list. The second list, they said, number one, ambition. Right? You should be ambitious. Two is optimistic. Hmm, I like that. Three is realistic. Four, I love this one, leader. Five, strong-minded. 
Six, wise. Seven, loyal. Eight, my absolute favorite. This should be on everybody's list. Eight, empathetic. I don't think we're raising empathetic. I don't think we're raising sympathetic. I don't think we're raising compassionate. I don't think we're raising objective young, young boys and to men and to adults. I don't think we're doing that. The ninth one was courageous and 10 was grit. Ladies, you might like that grit. Um, I take grit as a little toughness, a little edge, right? A little roughness around there. But I want you to think about what your attributes are, especially the the young boys that are listening, because this is important. It's it's one thing to de, to to define and have a list of attributes. It's another thing to live it. So while you're creating that beautiful list, right, that Christmas list of manhood values or attributes, the reality is, are you raising, rearing? Uh, your your sons to match that list. Young men, are you living up to the values of your own list, right? In partnerships, in marriages, are you showing up as the man that you've defined yourself to be based on that list, right? Think about it real quick. We're going to take our very first break, and then we're going to come back with some more. I'll see you in a second. just quickly give a description or definition of, of gender role and if you're interested in any of the links or any of the research documentation I used just let me know hit me up live LLC coaching at gmail.com and I'll send you 
all of the links. I'm not creating this information. Um, I went and researched some things. So I found something in reference to gender role, and it says gender role is the pattern of behavior, personality traits, and attitudes defining masculinity or femininity in a certain culture. Hmm. Hear that. The pattern of behavior, personality traits, and attitudes defining masculinity and femininity in a certain culture. The United States, America, and I'm sure other countries abroad associate who we are as young boys, um, teenage uh, young men, and men all the same. We, we lump us into this set of roles under the guise or the masculinity umbrella that may or may not fit every young uh, boy, every teenage boy, every young adult male growing up, right? The rest says it's determined by upbringing that may or may not conform to a person's gender identity, right? Gender role is a pattern of behavior. So you're behaving in a certain way because society, your culture, your country is teaching you, molding you that men are supposed to be uh, aggressive. Men are supposed to be stoic. Men are supposed to be um, the breadwinners. Men are supposed to be non-emotional. Men are supposed to be strong all of the time. And on the surface, that's great. Those are those are great attributes that is something to um, look up to or live for. But beneath the surface, it's inhumane because it strips us of our inhumanity and it strips us of half of what we are. And that is our emotion. And that is our ability to um, emotionally um, respond intellectual, intellectually. Um, that strips us of our EI, emotional intelligence. And I think sometimes we've got to be able to quickly identify, especially based on uh, the male child that you're raising, moms and dads, what will and will not work for them. Um, I will tell a personal story real quick. And my disclaimer before I get into that story is... Um, I am not uh, daddy bashing, right? But I'm just going to tell the truth about my experience when I was coming up with, with my dad. I, I don't, you know, I hate talking about things and not associating something real to it. So my mom and dad were together uh, probably the first eight to 10 years of my life before they separated. My father was the kind of father that was physical. He worked with his hands. He was a, a welder. He could create and build anything. My father built at least two to three homes in his lifetime with his hands, his bare hands. He understood that kind of stuff, right? And here I come as his son, and I don't do anything with my hands in that respect, right? I just can't. I don't have it in me. So as a young boy, I was always very introverted, always very uh, into music, into art, into writing, into creating. 
from uh, the perspective of my imagination and not necessarily my hands. And my father comes from the deep south where your livelihood and your life is made based on your hands. Super talented guy. But because I didn't fit that, Bill, you know, my father did call me things like fag. You know, I was a faggot to my father. My father would call me to my six-year-old face. You're a faggot. You're nothing but a fag. You know, that's all you are. That's all you're ever going to be. You're a sissy. You know, stop whining. That kind of thing. Um, And it taught me that who I was and who I was showing up as at that point wasn't good enough. There was something wrong with me. You know, because we understood, especially where I grew up. I grew up in Newark that... A fag was not a man. It was an effeminate acting man. It was a wimp. It was a sissy. You could beat up a fag. You can emasculate a fag. You could degrade and dehumanize a fag. Um, it was it was verbal abuse that I didn't know that I suffered from until two de- decades later, right? Because that's what he groomed me in when I could not do... I couldn't figure out how to ride a bike, you know. He kicked the bike down, you know, called me a faggot, and went back in the house. And, you know, I was not good enough. I don't know how to perform based on my father's expectations, right? My father was also the guy um, who had a different perspective on on sex. So he taught me how um, to degrade and dehumanize women as well. Um, He was verbally and physically abusive. And again, I'm not daddy bashing. This is just the fact, the reality of what I came up in as a young adolescent, um, getting my first exposure and experience to what it looked like to be um, male versus man versus um, whole as as a, a, a man. My father told me, you know, when you turn 16, I'm going to get you your first piece of pussy. We're going to get you a, a hooker, and you're going to get yourself a first piece of pussy. And I'm not being derogatory. This was my experience with my dad. He believed that that was a rite of passage, that that was my my right. That was my responsibility, right? That I, I shouldn't be a virgin any, you know, longer than that threshold. So... That experience did groom me and grow me in a way that I had thoughts, ideas, concepts, um, emotional scars uh, that didn't always support who I was and who I needed to be, especially going through um, those those pubescent years between 12 and, and 18 and trying to figure out who I was and who I wanted to show up as. It didn't help that I grew up in Brick City. I grew up in Newark where most of the men at the time were men based on what they had, the amount of money, the kind of cars, the, the, the clothes, the girls. And here I was, you know, fat, poor, you know, zits on my nose every month, nobody digging me. I never had a date in high school. I never had a relationship in high school. Very awkward, very weird um, guy trying to figure out who he was. So 
you know, not necessarily always fitting into those gender roles and then trying to navigate. So, you know, men, I'm sure you can attest and agree to some of these things, um, especially moms and dads where you're struggling with how to raise your, your sons between 12 and 18. You got to understand what they're going through, right? So that early adolescence thing, the stages of adolescent development, if you will. Let's go over a few bullet points. Early adolescence between 11 and 13, puberty is kicking in. You know, we start seeing hair down there. We're getting a little bit bigger. You know, the the scrotum is hanging a little bit lower. Um, Wet dreams girls, all of this thing taking place, boys, um, our body is telling us that we want to do things that we're not necessarily uh, mentally uh, or emotionally ready for, so we're, we're struggling with a sense of identity, we're trying to figure out who we are, we're mimicking who we see, and if dad is in the home, we will mimic dad based on who dad is, um, If dad isn't in the home, then we end up mimicking what we see outside of home. And that's the scary part because social media is raising us, not just our kids. It's raising us. It's rearing us. It's guiding us. It's controlling us. I respond to it, right? Everybody responds to it. Every tweet from 45 every misconstrued manipulation of marketing by retailers we respond to every meme we we respond to so we're responding to it and it's grooming us psychologically it's grooming us in our mentality and in our emotionality and the way that we show up so if we are being groomed as 25, 35, 45, 55 year olds, imagine what it's like for an 11 year old, a 13 year old, a 15 year old who's struggling with their sense of identity. They might be feeling awkward about their body. Um, They start to realize that, hey, your guardians, your parents, the people that are responsible for you aren't perfect and you are getting upset because they're not perfect. Um, <laughs> they kind of want to break out of how we're raising them. They want their independence. Um, you know, they want their privacy. There's a lot happening in their physical body, in their emotional body, in their intellectual bodies. And Young boys aren't always given the opportunity to fully express and optimize what's happening. You know, I said it when I was a young boy. I told my mom about the first wet dream that I had. Um, (laughs) But not everybody does that, right? I did it because I was was kind of weirded out. I was like, what is this, right? But I was also between those ages by that point very 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 I was bad y'all I wasn't very good in school Um, I just revealed this to uh, a group of folks the other day I was suspended and or kicked out of school the first 13 years of my life I'm talking preschool up to my freshman year in college no exaggeration my mother tried to take me to preschool I fought kicked screamed, excuse me, scratched. Um, they, they ask 
her to take me out. I, I couldn't stay. I wouldn't stay. Um, emotional. It was emotional stuff. My my dad was present, but he wasn't present. And when he was present, you know, there were some things going on. My mom was present, and then she wasn't present. <laughs> you know, so things like this would happen. This is an example of what I experienced as maybe a five-year-old um, and why I was kicked out of um, daycare. I had uh, anxiety, panic issues. They weren't diagnosed then. But looking back, I know that's what it was. Separation anxiety. So my mom and dad were in a domestic violence situation. My dad would beat my mom up. My mom would run to her best friend's house. Um, and instead of... Um, coddling, cradling, and telling me and my sister that it would be okay, in order for my mother to deal with what she had just dealt with, uh, uh, with my father, she would go out. They would go out, do whatever they needed to do to deal with what had happened. Well, this is all happening in a single night. The violence, now we're at someone else's house, now my mom is leaving us going out I don't have my mom or my dad and I'm completely throwing fits I used to have temper tantrums um, ask any of my family members ask my cousins I would fall out and bump my head on the ground I would fall out and bump my head on the ground um, all this emotional thing I was having emotional seizures my body was emotionally seizing, seizing. it was a temper tantrum but I wasn't getting what I wanted and what I needed as a little boy and so that's how I got kicked out of uh, <laughs> preschool first grade second grade between the third and the fifth grade I, from New Jersey and I went to uh, Lincoln Avenue school um, in Orange and I was suspended uh, on a monthly basis uh, I was really really troubled as a young kid because I didn't understand my emotions the first time my mother took me to a ther therapist, I was about eight. And I think the therapist said, the hospital doesn't even exist anymore. United Hospital in North, though. And the therapist, or the psychiatrist is what they called them back then. The psychiatrist said, Ben, what's wrong? And I said, I'm mad. <laughs> and she said, why are you mad? I said, I'm mad because my mommy and daddy won't stop fighting. They won't stop fighting. And I was just angry they won't get it right I'm upset that this won't stop happening that you know everybody won't stop talking about my mommy and daddy right everybody calls my mommy stupid and everybody calls my dad mean and I wanted to stop and I was heartbroken and completely shattered and how is a five six seven eight year old living with heartbreak and completely shattered and they should still be at the point of being put together so fast forward a few years into um, stages of development growing into my teen years of course it would make perfect sense that I'm an absolute basket case emotionally and the way that I communicate uh, or communicated was really aggressive so you know when I was in middle school I was disrespectful to any adult. I didn't respect my teachers. I was very flippant. Um, I didn't necessarily re respect my classmates. Uh, but I knew who 
to mess with because again I'm from Brick City now I got an attitude problem I com- I communicate poorly but the one thing that I'm not is a great fighter so I knew to keep my mouth shut I knew there were certain people you say stuff to and other people you better not because you would get your ass whooped and for some of us it might take a good ass whooping it might take someone breaking us out of that to say listen ain't nothing about who you are special that you can disrespect people you can get your ass whooped too right so i think sometimes that may be necessary i'm not (laughs) condoning violence but i'm just saying (laughs) so middle adolescence 14 to 18 right where puberty for the most part is completed cognitively we're continue continuing to grow um but we have a greater capacity around what goals is and what life is. Hopefully, um, now we start thinking about the morality of maybe the spirituality of this is where you might start to see your kids pull away from what you've taught them. If you've been raised in a Catholic home or Pentecostal home like I was or Baptist or you might see your kids experimenting with atheism or um, more interested in science than they are religion versus spirituality um they're really self-involved uh self-involved excuse me um they start feeling love and they can't see past their emotions this is really where we we have to work with them on understanding what temperance and self-control is and not to temper who they are as human beings but to help them identify how beneficial and how important self-control is right when they start to get into late adolescence 19 to 21 hopefully they've been sent off to college they have the ability to cognitively think clearer thoughts um to delay their gratification so boys it's not always about you doing and getting what you want in that moment Uh, I think society has taught us, especially from a sexual perspective, that we get to have who we want, when we want, and how we want, and it doesn't matter. I think society has told us that sexual freedom somehow is sexual uh, promiscuity, and they're not the same thing. Um, I think that this is when we start to work on our identity. I'm forever 19 because when I was 19, that's when I realized that I'm responsible for myself. That's when I realized that I can't keep pulling the mommy and daddy card, even though it was rough and tough, right? Experiencing what I experienced with them and through them, I can't keep pulling that card. That's no longer going to validate me in my adulthood and my manhood, right? My relationships with my peers became more important. How I developed socially became more important because now I was realizing that I'm choosing to to be awkward and weird and disrespectful and carry an attitude and communicate like a bull. I had to start taking some kind of responsibility for myself. And when I was 19 is when I started to realize that by the time my, my parents were 19, They were parents, right? So I've got to figure out who I want to be and where I want to go in my life, right? So those are some of the stages that we're dealing with, with with our our young men and, and how we're grooming them. 
And from my personal experience, again, not daddy bashing, because I will tell you this, my father is the person that's responsible for me loving music the way that I love music. Um, And music on a lot of occasions for a lot of us has been my saving grace. My father, believe it or not, was the person that taught me about affection, Um, kissing me on the lips and on the cheek and on the forehead and hugging me, right? So on one side, when he was calling me a faggot, um, when he was clear and had clarity and he was in his, his loving self and he was what's most important, vulnerable, um, he hugged and embraced and, and encapsulated and enveloped me and my sister in love. Um, and that's hugs and kisses. You know, a story before we go to our next break. Me and my sister would wait on the stoop every day. We knew that my dad would come home around 3.30, 4 o'clock. He would leave for work. My sister would meet him in the morning before he left for work. Daddy, I want to come to work with you. I want to come to work with you. She'd be up dressed, ready to go. I want to come to work with you. And he'd pick her up and throw her up around and give her all kinds of kisses and say, Isha, I can't take you to work with me. I can't take you to work with me. Um, He got a kick out of it. And then we would wait for him to turn that corner, you know, hitting South Orange Avenue and Boylan Street when we lived in Newark. When we saw my daddy coming, we would take off. And it didn't matter that, you know, there were moments of him being a tyrant. We knew that when we got to that corner, he was going to lift us, kiss us, embrace us. He would probably have a record for me to play and some candy for my sister. We'd take us to the corner store before we came home and We'd go home and we'd have moments of togetherness and family and we'd have fish and grits. (laughs) So I remember the love, right? But I also remember the inconsistency. What's important for us as young men, as young boys, I don't care if you're 8, if you're 12, if you're 16, you have the mental capacity to put together the pieces of the puzzle of your emotional life. You know what feels good. You know how to express that. You know what doesn't feel good. You know how to express that. And if you don't know how, ask for help. When we come back from our break, that's what we're going to talk about. Asking for help. Asking for help. Go get yourself a cup of coffee, a cup of tea. I'll see you back in a couple of minutes. Hey folks, what's up? It's Ben, your favorite life transformation coach. Listen, thank you for listening to the show and for joining me. On January 15th, I want you to go to my website, www.livellccoaching.com, where I will be releasing the first part of a three-part e-series. It is called The Undoing, an essay. It's a look at racism in America. It's my my point of view. It's how I'm expressing my anger. It's how I'm expressing my rage. It is how I'm expressing my opinion, how I am producing some fact. I want us to take the opportunity to explore this. And if you feel like there isn't an issue with racism, this essay is for you. If you feel like we should just get over it and stop playing the race card already, this essay is for you. If you are uncomfortable with the conversation of race, this essay is for you. Ultimately, it is my dream, wish, hope, and prayer that we unite in victory uh, and in peace. But until then, there is some undoing to do.
All right, folks, welcome back. Welcome back. So I apologize. Am I coughing a lot? I don't know if I'm getting sick, but I apologize uh, ahead of time if I'm coughing too much. Deal with it. (laughs) I hope you are enjoying the show. Hope you're pulling some, some valid information from it. I hope that you're not fighting against it and needing to be right and needing to not hear what I'm saying. I'm hoping that you're accepting it. I hope that you see yourself in it. I hope that it's an opportunity for you, if you're already great, to become greater, uh, to become even more aware of your greatness. But before we, we went to break, I talked about asking for help. I remember being a kid. I remember being a teenager and not even knowing that I needed to ask for help. And what does that mean? Ask for help. Ask for help in who I was as a 12-year-old, as a 16-year-old, as a 19-year-old. I did not know how to ask for help. I didn't even understand emotionality. I didn't understand um, what was happening with me. So when I was being kicked out of school (laughs) for my behavior... After I had done what I had done, I still didn't really understand why I did it, right? And I didn't know how to go to my my grandmother who was raising me at the time and say, Granny, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing, right? I know she probably would have told me to go pray, but I don't know if I understood at that point that with everything that's going on inside of me and around me, I don't really know how to express this, so I end up getting myself in trouble, right? For me, it was school. For some of us, that is in relationships. Some of us, we become habitual uh, boyfriends, right? We can't not stay away from the girls, and so we create unhealthy relationships with the girls. For some of us that are dealing with our own sexuality, um, we create unhealthy Ideas and concepts around our sexuality. Um, we get into male prostitution. Sometimes we get kicked out of our homes because we don't know how to ask for help. Then there are those of us who we we become violent in our expression of, right? We take up a violent lifestyle. We get into um, selling drugs or uh, robbing, which is real. That's common. Right, We get into gangs. I don't understand why there's so many of our young men, especially in urban communities, that gravitate to gang life. I think it is such a weird dichotomy. I get it and then I don't. Right? Back in the day, they used to say it was about community and it was about family. You know, the gang becomes your family. But how can something... Or a set of someone's become your family. Uh, and the end result of that gang life and activity is, is either jail or death. You're asking me to join something that is, is going to take my life away from me. Right? And because we don't know how to ask for help. I don't know how to live in this community as a 14 year old boy and not get caught up in gang life. 90% of what I see is something that 
I'm really scared of being involved in, but I have to become something, right? What is this bullshit that every young man that's in Baltimore, that's in, you know, Compton, uh, that's in Philadelphia, that's in Newark, that's in Camden, Trenton, Jersey City, that we're automatically thugs? Get the hell out of here. I'm not thug. I'm not thug um, criteria. (laughs) I'm just not. It doesn't fit for me. Why is that the same narrative for every young male born into those communities? But I didn't know how to ask for help, right? It's not like I wasn't petitioned on a daily basis. You want to, you know, you want to do this, you want to do this, you want to do this. It's not like I wasn't offered to uh, ride in stolen cars or steal cars. I didn't know how to ask for help. I was, I was smart enough to finagle and work my way around it but I was afraid and I didn't want to be and I didn't want to be caught up in it and I didn't know how to ask for help so we want to talk about asking for help young men going to school acting like jackasses right behaving in ways that rob you of your dignity and your integrity using language like the n-word and the b-word and being violent and being aggressive and that becoming more important than you getting your education you have got to i don't care how old you are eight year old 12 year old 14 year old 16 year old ask for help how do i do that go home and say i'm effing up i'm mad Go home and say to your mom and your dad, you're not going to like the way that this sounds, but on a regular basis, I'm pissed off. Why are you pissed off, Timmy? I don't like the way that things are going on around here. I don't like the way that mom treats dad, dad treats mom, dad treats dad. I don't like the fact that there is no dad, right? So we talked about gender roles. We talked about some of the physical effects that not being able to communicate express ourselves we talked about the stages of development now let's talk about what it looks like what it feels like at home right have you ever asked let's jump to the 45 year old man and woman who are married wife have you ever asked your husband 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 partner have you ever asked your partner have you guys ever sat down and said or, or examined, why are you behaving this way? Why do you show up like this? And they go, what do you mean? Whenever there's a situation, when it's a situation with the bills, when there's a situation with the kids, when there's a situation with you looking at somebody the way you ain't supposed to be looking at them, you shut down. Why can't I ever get you to communicate exactly what you're feeling, when you're feeling it, how you're feeling it? You shut down or you become aggressive or you become angry and you walk away and you completely shut me out. What is that about? What is that connected to? What is that tied to? Why at 45? Why at 55? Are you still so verbally crippled that your emotions live in an area of your being that you can't access and you're not willing to access? or willing to communicate. Because think about it. The 45-year-old male is no different from that 5-year-old, 10-year-old, 15-year-old male that you're trying to get them. Use your words, Timmy. Talk to me. Talk to me. And then we end up shaming them 
when they cry and they express what they feel because again society says don't feel don't express your emotions just be just be a man just man up just suck it up don't cry about it be tough move on handle it don't be a pussy don't be a faggot right that's what no homo those are all the things that we talk about in society and we we suck that into our psyche and we show up half of ourselves and then when dad dies at 55 a sudden heart attack get the out of here that wasn't a sudden heart attack that was 50 years of suppressed emotions and the heart blew up (laughs) that wasn't a sudden stroke that was dad taking all of his emotionality and trying to intellectualize it right come on we got to talk about this so one of my favorite authors Brene Brown talks about vulnerability talks about daring greatly talks about shame so one of the things that I want to read to you and ladies I'm, I'm picking on you now and anyone who subscribes to the traditional masculine roles that are creating limiting beliefs and limiting lives for uh, men in 2018, right? So, Brene Brown has a ton of books out there, but one of the books I suggest you read, Daring Greatly, How the Courage to be Vulnerable Transforms the Way that um, We Live and We Love and we, we Parent and We Show Up in the World. Um, Brene Brown talks about how we create this ethos, if you will, of shame and cloud of shame around men um, when they do what we ask them to do, but then we become uncomfortable with it. When we ask them to be vulnerable and emotional, emotional and communicate, right? I watch it all of the time. This is a part of my data. I just watched... Three single moms with young boys between the ages of two and six tell their two to six-year-old boys to stop crying. Boys don't cry. I just saw that in less than a month. And I wanted to snatch the weave out the mom's head. (laughs) Because I'm like, what the f*** are you talking about? Boys do cry. That's inhumane. He's two. You're uncomfortable with it because you don't understand the emotionality of what's going on, right? So, this is what um, Brene Brown talks about. Let me find this in my in my notes and talk about what she talks about um, in terms of of shame and how we show up. So, she says. Most women pledge allegiance to the idea that women can explore their emotions. They can break down, fall apart, and it's labeled as healthy, right? But guys, men, boys are not allowed to fall apart. Ironically, she explained, men are often pressured to open up and talk about their feelings. And then they're criticized for being emotionally walled off. But then if we get too real and say, listen, wife, husband, kids, family, I'm scared as that 
I will not have enough money to pay the bills this month. It's crippling me. I'm stressed out. I don't know what I want to do. Instead of encamping ourselves around around dad and trying to help him offload his experience and his emotions, he's met with revulsion, right? You're supposed to be the man. You can't provide for your family. Like, holy crap, what's going on here? Why can't you show up, right? And so a big part of what our sons, what our partners, what our husbands, what our nephews, what our uncles um, and dads are experiencing is shame. We're shaming them to stay in this 14th century (laughs) definition of what manhood should look like without allowing them to explore themselves. So when we come into relationship with them, even if we're thinking about the relationship from a parental perspective, our sons aren't showing up whole. They're not showing up 100% as themselves because the expectation is already there that they don't get to be who they need to be, right? So we see them as lethargic and lazy and disconnected, but what they're doing is using everything that they have to mask what they really feel, right? What if what you're defining as lethargic or what I call my son lazy, what if that's really emotionally in a coma? What if he's emotionally in a coma? He's comatose emotionally. What if you see as aggression and always uh, too tough, too thugged out, right? Too alpha male. What if, what if you see the constant work of a man hiding and holding on to heartbreak, failure, mistakes, misery, pain, degradation, and using his machismo to cover that up? What if we stopped telling ourselves all of these stories about who and what you think a man should be and how we should show up? And dealt with the reality of what is going on in the world. It's like for so many years, we expected soldiers to come back from war okay. That makes absolutely no sense for all of those men and women, but for all of those men to come back and the expectation is that they're mentally and emotionally okay. And when they can't communicate that to you, you're upset. That makes no sense. It makes no sense for a a head of a household, a male head of the household, to be financially and emotionally responsible for the entire household and then do and not have something or someone supporting him load balancing and offloading his emotional experience. And that's why you get them going into the boardrooms and you get them showing up as managers and supervisors, as bully, as aggressors, as assaulters, right? They're taking it out in the workplace through their career. If they could come home and say, I don't think this deal is going to happen. It's a $10 million deal. Our livelihood is at stake. 
right? My my mental and emotional uh, capacity has met its ceiling. Help me. If we're not creating a space for dad, uncle, son, friend to open up in ways that they should be able to open up, then what are we expecting to see? Look at your government. New Jersey, look at your government. Look at the people, their attitudes, their energy as men and how they show up as leaders. Look at your country, the energy as men and how they show up. And you ask me if that's okay. Ask yourselves if that's okay. Ask yourselves if you want your sons, your nephews, your husbands, your brothers to behave the way that the people that run your world behave. Would that be okay in your household? If your president was the head of your household, how healthy, how happy would your household be? Ask yourselves. But we raise that, we rear that, we support that, we feed that, and we foster that kind of behavior. So sons, when you go to school and you act as a jackass and you're rude and inappropriate in school and on the job and in your home, it's not because that is the right way to do it. It's because you feel wrong in your manhood. And you don't have to. You don't have to. Before we leave this show, I want you to do this. Be brave. This is how we're going to handle our manhood. We're going to be brave. But brave is an acronym. <laughs> of course it is. Get your pen. Get your paper. Because I want you to take some notes. Brave is an acronym. B, break the rules, break the laws, break the traditions, right? Break them, break them. Those things that we talk about in terms of, of, of masculinity and how men are supposed to be or show up, break those rules, break those laws, right? If you didn't have a dad, if your dad passed away or your dad abandoned you, Right? Where else are you going to get a model for who you want to be, how you want to show up? Instead of saying, I'm so upset, I'm in pain, I'm in trauma, I'm in crises, my feelings are hurt on a daily basis that I don't have a dad, you act badly, you behave badly. Break that. Break it. Break it. You don't have to behave badly or poorly because your your male identifier or what you would use to identify and model yourself as a male doesn't exist if you have one fantastic great but if you have one at home and they subscribe to traditions that you know will not fortify who you are as a man break it Break it. Break the chains. Break those old rules, those old laws that keep us encapsulated in a prison and in a jail of our emotions and end up killing us. It's killing us, men. It's killing us, boys. 
you're joining gangs not because it's going to uplift you and create a family and teach you how to be a man. You're joining gangs because you are chronically in pain. You are in crisis. It's an epidemic. You're in crisis. Break it. Break the chain. There's no way you give your life to a street organization that's going to take your life from you. They've never been able to protect you. You are not designed and purpose for that bull. So we're making choices in our lives due to the lack of our emotional capability, right? We're showing up at work, at home, in school because our emotions are screwed in. They're in this bottle. We won't let them out. We won't let them out. Right? I got some seltzer water in this bottle. You hear it? It's Now, if I let this thing open, it's going to splatter all over me. Splatter all over me. You hear that? If I let it out, it'll splatter all over me. You keep your emotions, emotions bottled up, and we keep telling ourselves that we're not supposed to have them, and that's inhumane. Then you're not supposed to be a human. You're a synthetic human being. Right? You're synthetic. You watch that show, humans? You're a synth. That's what you are. Break the chains. Break the rules. Break the old limiting beliefs. Break the old habits that do not serve your manhood. Then finally, R. R is rewrite. Redefine, redesign what manhood means. We started with that list. We opened up with that list. Excuse me, what does manhood mean to you? I know for me, if I'd start my attributes and my highest value, accountability. Accountability. Strength is on that list, but not just strength in terms of physicality, emotional strength, physical strength, right? Intellectual strength. Rewrite, redesign. Stop telling yourself that your manhood is connected to the number of people you're able to sleep with or the amount of money that you're able to make or the number of cars you have or the number of J's you got, right? Or the number of deals you're able to make, a number of amount of revenue or sales quotas you're able to make or hit. Redesign, rewrite, because it should be coming from the inside out. All of that other stuff should be a manifestation of who you are at the center, at the core of your manhood. Rewrite, redesign, right? Redefine what your manhood is. That's the R. A, acknowledge that you have emotions. Acknowledge that you have emotions. Acknowledge that you messed up. Acknowledge that you're afraid. Acknowledge that you have to go into a classroom and take a test that you didn't study for because you played too many video games. Acknowledge that you're afraid you have to go and present in front of 50 people and you don't know if they're going to buy into what you're attempting to sell or service them. Acknowledge that you feel awkward or weird or different. Acknowledge that your feelings are hurt, that your father passed away, that your your father isn't there, that your father always works and you would just like for him to come take you to the movie and shoot the breeze with you. Acknowledge that you don't feel the way that you think your parents or your partner or your siblings 
think you should feel. Acknowledge yourself. Stop denying yourself. Ain't nothing manly, masculine about denying who you are emotionally. Acknowledge yourself. That's the A. V. From the the chapters of Brene Brown, be vulnerable. Vulnerability takes a lot of strength, man. You can't... Being vulnerable means you can't be no punk. It's the exact opposite. Being vulnerable means that you have to give into and show up as and be uncomfortable. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Vulnerability, most of us work hard against being vulnerable because we don't want people to see us. We don't want to be shamed. We don't want to be seen as weak, but it's the exact opposite. It takes an enormous amount of strength and courage to be vulnerable. I don't. I can't tell you the number of people, men, that have lost loved ones, dads, grandparents, parents, close friends, and they refuse to cry. And I'm like, this is the most appropriate time, bruh. Cry. This is the most appropriate time. You better cry. Don't make sense for you not to, right? Be vulnerable. Be open. And then finally, E. Guys, this is how we do it. We execute our emotions in a healthy way. What does that mean? You take action. You don't just think it. You don't just feel it, but you actually express it. If you're if you're in conflict, you execute how to manage confrontation. You identify why you're in conflict. Is it a trust issue? Is it a values issue? Are you afraid? Is it environmental? What is it? And then figure out how to execute expressing your emotions in the most healthy way. Are your kids working your nerves? You don't have to be violently angry to express that you are angry. Do you not want to do what the rest of your boys want to do? And you're at conflict and there's peer pressure. You have got to learn how to assert yourself without being aggressive or passive assertively say this plan doesn't really match up with what I had planned on doing I'm going to go ahead and fall back on this one and be brave and vulnerable simultaneously enough to deal with whatever they have to say but you have to execute your emotions in the most healthy in the most effective way that is going to fortify and facilitate you standing in your manhood so being overly aggressive and verbally assaultive and, and overly sexualized in your machismo and your masculinity no longer serves you. Not if you're doing it to cover up, disguise, dress up, downplay how you really feel. If you're not able to express how you really feel, if you're not able to express your, your experiences, I was ignored as a child. I don't feel good enough as a man. I don't think I have enough education. My dad died. My dad walked out on me. My lover walked out on me. My wife divorced me. I'm happy, but there's something missing. If you're not able to express and articulate the expression of your soul, you have not tapped into your manhood, man. All you are is male. 
with some really fly clothes. Are you getting it? I support you in standing in your definition of manhood. If it serves you, if it fulfills you, if it fortifies you, if it helps you build up your family, uplift your community, allow you to contribute to the positive raising of the vibration within this planet, I support your leap into manhood victory. My name is Ben Carter. I am your favorite life transformation coach. Could you ever walk away?